Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? It's Thanksgiving week, man. It's gonna, it's exciting. I'm sure, it's coming. You're gonna have some family from out of town, or you're going out of town. And so, uh, what a what a great week uh, to have here and to begin uh, this Sunday morning talking about service because that's we uh, that's how we express our gratitude is through ministry through service to the Lord. I uh, got a few announcements I want you to know about. Just a heads up. We have a Christmas Eve service. You'll notice it in your bulletins at 6.30 uh, on Christmas Eve. We won't be having church during the day, but we'll just move it to 6.30 that night. Um, and that way uh, we'll, we'll have a great time uh, looking forward to this uh, Christmas Eve service. We're going to be talking about what child is this. We're going to look at how Christmas is connected to children and why that's so special. Also, January the 7th, you want to, might want to put this in your phone or somewhere uh, to remind you, we're going to have our next year is here brunch here at uh, Greater Alton on, on the Sunday, January the 7th. Now, let me tell you one other thing that's we've had to make some adjustments. You know, around here, we're always having to flex and move around things. In your bulletin, there's something about a Christmas work day, and it was going to be next Sunday. We have moved that to this Saturday. Um, am I correct about that this Saturday? Yes, at 9 a.m. Yes, so if you want to help with that, contact Sue. She'll let you know all about that. Sue, could you just stand up so everybody can see you? There she is. Sue, could you please stand up? Oh, you did. Oh. Okay, there she is. If you know Sue, and she'll uh, get you hooked up. They're going to have pizza and everything uh, as we decorate the stage and transform it for, for the Christmas season. We're in a series called Us. And we've been looking at the kind of church that Jesus wants, the kind of church we should want to build. And uh, you think about it, why did Jesus want his church built on this earth? Well, one of the reasons is he wanted to somehow elevate five important values. You find them in the book of Acts, through the whole book of Acts, these five different things. I don't know if you know this or not, but the word church is from the Greek word ekklesia, and it, it means those that are called out the people that are called out by God. And when you stop and think about it, we're called to five values as a church. We're all called out to worship God, that no one misunderstands that God is first in our lives. It's in how we act, what we say, and what we do. Secondly, we're called out for connection. That's membership. We want to be a close church. It's a family of God. So we're called out to all make a commitment to connect with each other. And then we're also called out to service, and that's a life of ministry, and that's what we talked about last week a little bit, and I want to continue to talk about this week. Now, last week, we talked about five different myths in ministries, and they went something like this. First myth was that ministry is for professionals, you know, with the, with the PhDs or with the degrees or with, with uh, you know, they, they've got to have uh, some kind of credential, a certificate. That's We say things like, this is our minister. And we mean one or two to maybe three people. But when you read the Bible, you find that if you're a member of the Lord's body, if you're a member of the kingdom of God, every member is a minister. That I'm made, you and I are made to minister. In fact, we are saved to serve. We also looked at another uh, another myth, and that was ministry is optional. And though it may be true that, you know, I, I, don't, I can't do everything, so I've got to pick something. Yeah, that's true. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you is to love one another 
as I have loved you. And he's saying that on the heels of washing his disciples' feet. So he's saying a new commandment is to love, to serve each other. It's not an option. It's a commandment. And another myth we looked at last week was ministry is church work. And what we discovered was ministry is God's work. And it can occur anywhere at any time. Yes, we need help doing certain things around uh, church and help make Sundays or Wednesdays or Thursdays or whatever. It seems like every night we got something going on now. There's teen ministries. There's, there's young adult ministries. There's small group ministries. There's children's ministries. We have grief share, which you'll notice already in the bulletin. It's got something to offer during the holidays for those that have lost loved ones during the holidays. There's all of these different ministries that we that we do have here that require someone maybe to help out or maybe in the office or or to greet or 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 to preach or uh, take care of sound and music and lighting those are important but but this is not the workspace the workspace isn't limited to this place or this time it's out there too it's all the time and and we're, everywhere we go we're called to serve Ministry, another one is ministry doesn't matter. Well, let me ask you something. Which hand would you be willing to give up? Which foot are you willing to give up? I mean, I know people that when when they face an amputation, they fight it. Don't take it off, doc. Don't. Why? It's gangrene. It's useless. Don't take it off. I, I need it. I need it. And, you know, and when the Bible starts talking about the parts of the body, it doesn't use, you know, hairs as an example of members, a hair or, or, a, or a fingernail, but hands and feet and eyes and ears. It, it, it talks about the mouth. It, all these body parts are important. So if you're going to compare yourself to a part of the body, make sure it's an important part because you are important and you do matter. What you do has a big impact on the rest of the body here at Greater Alton. Now, that's what we've learned. And then the last thing we learned was I'm not gifted. That's another myth is that I'm not gifted for ministry. Well, the thing is, everybody has at least one gift, and I've got Coral coming up here sometime, but she's going to talk to us a little bit about that uh, this morning. So what can I do to be a better minister? I know that I'm constantly... I, I read a book years ago called The Preacher and His Work. That was a required class at our preacher school, The Preacher and His Work. And I remember one of the things I remember was take a roll of dimes with you. Now, this is pre-cell phone. Take a roll of dimes wherever you go. Why? Because you might have to make a lot of phone calls. And back then at time, that's how much it costed. And I remember carrying a roll of dimes. Never used them. Never used them. You know. And, but that, but it had all these things. It talked about how to how to not be a pawn in the church. Because a lot of people try to use the preacher to get their way. They try to suck up to the preacher, or they intimidate the preacher, or they threaten the preacher, and and make him make him or her do something that. Um, they want to have fulfilled. That was that was kind of some of the material I remember covering. But the whole purpose of the book was how to be a better minister. Well, church, we all should be interested in that. I hope you're interested in that. How can I be a better servant? How can I be a better minister in the kingdom of God? Because we're all called to minister. Well, let's look at these today. I got seven of them, and let's rifle right through these. The first one is I manage my ministry with prayer. Before I lend a helping hand, I need to start on my knees. And all the great servants in the Bible, you'll notice that, that that's what they had in common. They, they prayed a lot as they served. People like Nehemiah, David, Samuel, folks like that. Why? 
Why should prayer be the starting place? Because that's where service starts. And church, that's where service lives. It's in our prayer life. We talk to God about everything that we're, that we're facing. We talk about everything we see. God, help, us rec- help me recognize. I don't know what to do. We ask for His wisdom. We ask for His help. We ask for stamina. All this is so important. And God multiplies. Listen, God multiplies what we're able to do when we pray. One of the things that uh, Compassion and Action had, their Bridge Cafe last night, they had 23 guests, 24 guests. And that was, they said, we couldn't believe it. God is so awesome. You know, you know why they have, they're having so many people come to this thing? I got news for you. They are praying warriors. They, they're prayer warriors. They do a lot of time on their knees before they go out and lend a helping hand. Look at this passage here in 1 Samuel 3. God is trying to talk to Samuel. He's a little confused, so Eli, his mentor, says, next time God calls out, you answer him this way. And look what, look what it says here. The Lord came and stood there and called as he had before. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel said, speak, Lord. I am your servant, and I'm listening. He responds with prayer. He's told what he's got to do. It's not pleasant what he has to do, what God's assigned him to do, but it starts in prayer. David, a great servant of God, said this in Psalms 51. We always think about this as about repentance, but it's also about, about a motive, our motives, and our, 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 the things that we, our thoughts behind what we do and what we are. Create, God, create a pure heart in me and renew the right attitude within me. Would you agree that you have to have a good attitude to be a good servant? Absolutely. Absolutely. And how many times has attitude, it's gotten in my way, I don't know how many times, how many times has a bad attitude gotten your way and kept you from serving? You're bothered about something, you're upset about something, and you just don't have the desire to serve. And yet when you have a good attitude, this desire to serve is just is amplified. One of the greatest servants of all, Jesus Christ, said this, at the hardest time to serve, look what he says, I want your will, not mine. He prays, he says, God, I want your will. I know you're asking me to serve. And you're asking me to give up my life and sacrifice. Oh, help me do that. Because I want your will and not mine. And that's, see, I'll tell you, some of the greatest servants I've ever met have been these, this kind of praying is going on. They're praying, God, I don't want to be about me. I want it to be about you. I want it to be about your will. Because, see, prayer, when we call out to God in prayer, that's when we receive God's wisdom. He promises that when we ask for wisdom. I don't know what to do in this situation. I want to serve, but I don't know what to do. Oh, ask God. He'll help you. He'll help you figure it out. He also clarifies my motives and purifies those motives. There's something about when we get on our knees, when we get, get into that humble state, that God's able to adjust our attitude and our motives. It also gives us strength when we pray. When those critical hard times, like Jesus when we pray, Lord, not yours, but not my will be done, but yours be done. Or give me the strength to do this. Give me the physical stamina to do this. Give me the, the, the mental toughness to let go of my way and hold on to yours. And so it really, it really has a big impact on what we do. That's the first thing. Second, second thing I can do. To be, to be a better minister is I can make myself available. I'm amazed at how this is so important. There's a lot of good people, a lot of good people in, in the kingdom of God, but they're not very good servants because, frankly, they're not available. And, oh, if they were just available, what God could do. 
if they would just make themselves a little more available. Listen, I can have all the great motive, and I really want to serve, and I want to help, and I want to do this, and I want to do that, but if I'm so busy in today's world and in our American mindset, we are busy people. We get so busy. I just don't think I can do that. I don't know how I'm going to do that because I'm unable to be available. There's a passage in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 22. Write this down. Just write it down. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. God is asking. He's asking Israel, I need someone to stand in the gap. I need somebody to stand in the gap and deliver Israel. I need someone to serve right now. And you know, it's, it's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. It says, I looked around and I could not find one. There was no one to stand in the gap. In Romans 10, it is how Paul, he talks about availability like this. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Is that awesome? That a person can turn to the Lord and find salvation? I want that for every member of my family, all my friends. I want our world, I want our world to follow Christ. I want to be saved. I'm, you do too, right? But, he says, how shall they ask him? to save them unless they believe in Him. And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless someone sends them? What is He saying? He's saying, for anyone to come to Christ, somebody has to be available to go tell them. We're getting into the Christmas season, and already I'm sure you're thinking about you're getting your Christmas DVDs out or you're getting your DVR ready to record some of your greatest movies. Am I right? And my favorite movie is It's a Wonderful Life. I'm sorry, that's, it's black and white. For those of you who are offended by that, besides my wife, I love that movie. I just think it's amazing because you see George Bailey arguing with Clarence at the end when he sees his brother's Harry's tombstone. He says, he goes, my, my, my brother's not dead. He saved everybody on that transport. Remember what Clarence said? But, but George, Harry wasn't on that transport to save all those guys because you weren't there to save Harry. And then he says, don't you see, we have a wonderful life. And I'll tell you, church, I'm, I look, I'm standing before an audience of Georges. You need to see yourself as the, uh, I'm the, George Bailey has opportunity to leave so many times. I'm going to, what does he say? I'm going to shake the dust off this crummy little town and see the world. I can quote the whole movie. And what's he do? He stays. There's the crash. Remember the $2 bills? They're dancing through the bank. Now you too reproduce. You know, they put them in the vault and hope they'll reproduce. I'm just saying is that we're all Georges if we're available. God's looking for someone to stand in the gap at school. Someone to stand in the gap in a, in a relationship somewhere at a store in a neighborhood. Will he find them? Will he find you? Are you available? Because the best servants that I've ever met, the best servants I've ever been impressed with, the ones God uses, are those that are available. Can I be sent? What is preventing me from being more available? See, I got to thinking about this. Like I said, I told you the last week, I've been in ministry for so long. Oh, goodness. Uh, part and full time. I don't know how many times, and you, some of you know what I'm talking about, you get a phone call, there's been a car accident, and what do you do? 
I've watched some of you drop what you're just like. I've done the same thing. We drop what we're doing and we go to the accident. Somebody's in the ER. There's, it's not looking good. Get over there. So there's an event and we're needing some help. What with? Well, could you pass out pizza? Availability. It's all around us all the time. You see, I, what I've realized, church, is this. Just apply this to yourself too because I've realized this in my life. I am here and there for the same reason. To do God's work. I'm here on Sundays. Absolutely. You can count on it. But I'm out there all the time for the same reason. And you're out there all the time for the same reason. It's to do God's work. To serve Him. Isaiah said this. If you heard God ask it if there's anybody and look what he says then i heard the lord's voice saying whom shall i send and whom will go for us and i said here am i send me i'm right here lord i'll go what do you need done i'm available number three the third thing i can do is i can pinpoint my gift look at this passage up in isaiah 43 it says the people i have shaped for myself will broadcast my praises god has designed you and i and shaped you and I to do various service projects, to be involved in service in various ways. Coral is going to talk about that right now. Good morning. All right. So um, last year at our ladies' retreat, I did a lesson on unwrapping my gifts. And uh, don't worry, I'm not going to give you the whole lesson. I'm not like Tim. I'm not going to spend 45 minutes on one point. <laughs> Okay, so um, the first thing I wanted to start with is sometimes people will say, oh, I, I don't have a gift. I'm not gifted. I'm not good at anything. That's not correct. Okay, so let's look at 1 Peter 4.10 in your notes. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So you can chuck that excuse out the window you know if you think you don't have anything you do so the question is well how do we figure out those gifts um you know and another thing i wanted to to say about that is it's not necessarily one gift if you think about a parent how many parents only give their child one thing <laughs> yeah yeah right you know so God has given you more than one gift. You just got to figure out what it is. Um, so a lot of what I'm talking about comes from the book Purpose Driven Life. So if you would like to dig a little deeper into this, you can check out that book sometime. So some questions that you can ask yourself to figure out what your gifts are is what are you passionate about? What makes you light up? You know, when I hear t people talking about math, <laughs> I'm like, yay, <laughs> because I'm one of those strange people who loves math. <laughs> so what, what piques your interest? What, you know, like I said, when you hear about something, you're like, oh, I want, I want to know more about that. So what are you passionate about? What did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a little kid? Before you realized that you needed a job to make money to pay bills, you know, what did you dream about being 
when you were an adult. That might probably is the gift that God put in you from the beginning. Um, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a teacher. I get to teach in God's kingdom. I wanted to be a singer. I get to sing in God's kingdom. I wanted to be an actress, and I've gotten to act in God's kingdom. I also wanted to be a nurse, but there are plenty of nurses that we have here, you know, so I'll leave that to, you know, those professionals. Um, so ask yourself, you know, what am I passionate about? The next thing you can do is ask your friends what they see in you. Uh, here's a passage that is not in your notes, but it should be up on the, the screen in Proverbs 27, verse 19. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. What do your friends see in you? You know, ask them, you know, what do you see in me? What do you think I'm passionate about? Uh, another verse that goes along with this is Luke chapter 6, verse 45b. It says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, right? So whatever is in your heart is going to come out your mouth. So ask your friends, what do you find me talking about most, okay? And that's probably one of the gifts that God has given you. Another thing you can look at is your natural abilities. So we have those things we are passionate about, and we have our natural abilities. They aren't always the same thing, okay? Um, I, I do teach math, and I will have students, they're like, I'm good at math, I just don't like it. <laughs> so there might be something that you are good at that God intends for you to use, you just might not like it so much. Um, and with those natural abilities, you still need to get God involved. Um, you know, the, the first point was involving prayer in your ministry. I want you to look at Colossians 4, verses 3 and 4. This is Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament. He was an amazing missionary. He, you know, traveled all over to different countries, sharing the word. And this is what he said. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I love that verse because even though it was a gift that he had, an ability that he had, he wasn't just relying on himself saying, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I got it, you know. He's like, Pray that I can proclaim it clearly, okay? All week, I've been praying to God, dear God, give me words, you know, for this moment. So whatever it is that you are good at, that you are passionate about, make sure you're asking God, you know, be in this. So the last thing I wanted to say is a quote from the great movie, Robots. See a need, fill a need, yes. Yes, see a need, fill a need. Mike knows this. Um, so I wanted to, to leave with this. Um, if there is a need in the church, but nobody is gifted in it, nobody is passionate about it, we don't just let it go undone. And that leads into point four. Thank you, Coral. Number four, I'm open to trying new things. 
One of the fascinating things I've, I've noticed here recently is when you do a study on the kingdom is how many new things the kingdom has, brings. It's, it brings lots of new things into this world. Uh, look at this passage. Here are some examples here. Isaiah 43. God says, I'm about to do a brand new thing. He's about to restore Israel is what he's about to do. And in Matthew 13, Jesus said to his followers, so every teacher of the law who has learned about God's kingdom has some new things to teach. He's like the owner of a house. He has new things and old things saved in that house. He brings out old and new with the old. You think about it, you know, because of the kingdom of God now, there's a new covenant. There's, there's things like a new song. The Bible refers to it as a new song. There's new ideas, new values, new ways, new opportunities. It's a whole new life. Even when Jesus spoke, his people, the crowds would say, what is this new teaching we're hearing? And he says it with such authority, like he's sure. Well, it's because he is sure. He's bringing something new to the planet. He'd say things like, you've heard it said, but now this is what you do. Or no one puts new wine into old wineskins. He puts new wine into new wineskins because there's no way this new stuff can be handled by the old ways. He talks about a new command I give you. And so you see all these new things, all these new things being introduced over and over again. Well, the Christian life then is marked, if you think about it, is marked with new as well. New beginnings, new starts, fresh starts, a new direction. That's, that's what, when you become a Christian, that's what happens. All this new, the new things that the kingdom brought, brings, you get to experience. And if you want to improve your ministry, if you want to improve serving in your life, you want to be open to new. You want to be open to new stuff, to new things. I've got to resist the fear of learning and doing something new. This week, um, we, this month, I'll say this month, uh, many of the people at, at the shop at CNW Autoglass were, um, we got a new internet carrier, ClearWave. Anybody got ClearWave yet? Oh, we just got it. Love it, love it, love it. We're going to be dropping Spectrum because of it. What incredible upload speed. That's what we really needed. So I'm wanting to get that done. At the same time, I'm, oh, we've got to get a new floor in because our carpet is awful. So we got TK Flooring coming in, and they're putting a new floor in on the heels of ClearWave putting in our new system. So now we have two internet systems working simultaneously. We've yet to hook, we haven't hooked it up yet. So Chuck and I decide we're going to hook it up. You do not want Chuck and I working on your computers. Boy, oh boy, was we having trouble. We're plugging this in, plugging that in. I'm trying this, I'm trying that. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it wouldn't. It was, but you know, you got to admit, we weren't afraid to try something new. We thought we'd give it a shot. And, and by the way, I learned so much. We ended up calling the IT guy. He had to come in and make a few adjustments with our work. But we got some of it figured out. There's just something about that, something exciting about trying something. Oh, I've done something a certain way for a long time. And, and, and well, maybe I ought to try something else. What's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. You ought to give it a shot. Sometimes, listen, church, sometimes I may have to let go of my dream in order to fulfill God's dream. I want to do this. I want to do this. And God says, no. How many people can you think of in the Bible that says, I'm going to do this? And God goes, no, you're not. You're doing this. I want you to do this. 
Oh, but I want to build your temple. David, you've got too much blood on your hands. So you can't use me? Oh, no, you can be a great king. You can be, you can be after my heart, but you're not going to do that. You're going to do something else. Man, I want to... Apostle Paul, if, anybody, if there's anybody that understood about new things and the kingdom of God bringing new stuff, it was the Apostle Paul. You talk about learning to make adjustments all the time. This guy is going to Damascus. He's going to get all these Christians. He's going to arrest them. And what's God do? He changes his plans. He's thinking, he's, this is my ministry. This is, my, this is God's work. No, it's not. You're going to be my chosen instrument to teach the Gentiles. You know, doors opened and closed for the Apostle Paul constantly. And you'd find him, he didn't seem to be bothered with this. Like He'll say things like, I've always wanted to go to Asia. I always wanted to go here, but the Lord prevented me from going. Look at this passage here in Acts 16. Luke is saying this, When they came to the border of Mysia and tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul's going one way and God says, no, we're going to go another. But I really wanted to go to Asia. Well, I'm going to put you in Greece. You're going to Greece instead. Greece is cool. You'll enjoy it. Let's go to Greece, Paul. Well, who's going to go to Asia? Well, you're not going. You're going to Greece. Well, no, there's no argument. There's no scripture. Luke would have put that down. No, Luke, what's Paul doing? He goes, okay, I'm willing to adjust. I'm willing to shift gears. And church, you know, uh, as, as we get older, we have to learn to shift gears. But even along the way, we learn to shift gears because we, had, we run into things. We address things. In ministry, we go, you know, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. Maybe I should try something else. See, I can expect, just like Paul, things to change. I will change. My ministry will change. Opportunities open and close. If they, if they happen in the Bible, they happen today. And what will I do with that? What will I do with that? One, years ago, oh boy, years ago, I had a, I've got this old tractor, you know, that old 9N, uh, 1939 9N Ford Ferguson tractor. And I was working on it. I have one wrench that I got when I was way back when I was 20-some years old working in tool and die. And it's about this long. And it fits this one bolt. And I'm working on it one day. And then, you know, uh, a few months go by. And I'm looking for that wrench. I'm needing that wrench. I cannot find it. I've looked everywhere. Not, because I've got, I found another bolt on something else. And that's the only wrench that fits it. And I'm looking and look. I finally give up. And I think I ended up buying or using a crescent or something else to try to tighten up this bolt that I needed, but that wrench would have been perfect. About eight months later, I'm under the tractor, and guess where the wrench is? It's still on that bolt. What are you doing there? You found me. I've been lost. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say sometimes we just get so attached to a certain way or what we're going to do we think that's all we can do, and we're kind of stuck on that bolt. And God's saying, I got other bolts. I got other things I want you to do. Would you try? Would you give it a go? It's not, you're not moving down the ladder. You're just moving over to this other bolt. 
this other way to serve. Oh, if we could just do that. Can God use me another way? That's what I ask. I've asked God that. I still ask God that. God, is there another way you want to use me? I've watched some of you. I've watched some of you have to make those adjustments. And God's done more through you when you've made that adjustment than what you were doing before. Oh, if we could just open up and let God use us anywhere. Are we open? Will I open up to the new? Because if I want to improve my ministry, if I want to improve being a servant, I've got to open up and try new things. Here's number five. I team up with other servants. There's just something about working with somebody. I know some of us here would say, well, if you want to get it done, just do it yourself, right? Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to look at you because you're going to think I'm talking about you. But I am talking about you. It's, uh, we, I do it myself. If I want to get it done, I just got to get it done. I just got to do it myself. Well, God says, you know what, Tim, that's great, but you'll never improve in your service if you're always doing things by yourself. You need to take another servant along. Something magical happens when you include other people as you serve. And Ecclesiastes 4 says, two are better than one because, look at this, they have a good reward for their efforts. See, Jesus knew this. He knew this passage. He knows that it's, it's good to, to team up, to link up with other servants. Look, at, look here in Mark 6. He did it all the time. Look at this. Jesus called the 12 to him and sent them out in pairs. He gave them authority and power to deal with the evil opposition. He sent them off with these instructions. And look at, listen to these instructions. Don't think you need a lot of extra equipment for this. Look at that. You are the equipment. Oh, if I just had another tool, if I had just another thing, I could serve better. Maybe it's another servant. Maybe it's just another person. Take them along. I have learned so much from this idea of pairing up. Jesus had James and John, Philip and Bartholomew. The Apostle Paul teamed up with Barnabas, Silas. Then he got into this, I don't know, tea, tea season. Timothy, Titus, Tychicus, Trophimus. I mean, what was that all about? I don't know if he picked those guys on purpose. But he had all these guys he teamed up with. Why is that so good to pair up with somebody? Well, first of all, it lightens the load. You won't kill yourself or wear yourself out if you have somebody alongside you. Like, like Ecclesiastes says, it's a good reward. It lightens the load. Pairing up with others improves your skills. You have somebody else, you, you get to see how somebody else does stuff. I don't know how many times I've been out putting in autoglass and one of my younger installers will go, well, I've been doing it like this. I go, show me. Oh, I like that better. Or, I've, or I'm involved in, in some ministry and I'm, I'm watching somebody, for example, Robert and I one time when we were in preacher school, we were given an assignment to go out and do door knocking. Anybody here love to door, knock on doors? Any, just raise that, slip that hand up. Say, now, Melissa, there we go. We got one brave soul. Oh, Sydney's kind of? Okay, yeah, okay. But a lot of us, let's just face it, we don't like, have you ever been bit by a dog? I've been bit a couple of times. One, one dog didn't have teeth, so it didn't really hurt, didn't count. But, but I remember Robert and I, Mike Napier said, you guys are going to go out door knocking, and we come up with this idea, we better practice. So we got in a church building. Of course, you do this when nobody's there, so it doesn't look so embarrassing. He goes in the classroom, I knock on the door. He goes, yes. I go, hi, I'm Tim, and I'm from Mount Carmel Church of Christ, and we're out here taking a survey, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, what is it? And I'm going, well, this is easy. 
this is, this is a no-brainer, you know? Well, how, why are we practicing? He goes, okay, now your turn. You be the guy. I said, okay. I go, what do you want? He just goes, what? What do you want? Get off my lawn, Fido. Stick him. And he's going, what are you doing? He goes, well, you know, we could run into that. I'm trying to get be realistic here, you know? But I remember doing that, doing that for several hours, just practicing. What are we going to do when we run into that kind of stuff? Years later, I'd be with a guy named Paul Smith. And he says, I'm not going to go do door knocking. You're not going to make me go. Do-. I said, I'm not making you. If you want, just come on and watch. Just watch. I'll watch, but don't expect me to knock any doors. I go, no problem. We walk to the first door. Hi, I'm Tim. This is Paul. Paul just goes, hmm. He doesn't say a word. I go, we're out here. We're just inviting people to our church. And we have services on Sundays and blah, 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 blah. All right, well, thank you very much. Okay, thank you. And I turn around, and Paul's gone. And I hear up across the street, it's Paul. Hi, I'm Paul, and I'm from Great Alton Church, and we're going to have inviting people, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, so I, I'm looking at him like, what are you doing? He walks up and goes, what? He goes, what are you doing? He goes, well, I didn't know it was that easy. I was expecting worse. And I go, okay. It's just something about going, you learn some things from each other. One time Rex Crossland and I, he was, he was mentoring me while I was a youth minister. He said, Tim, I need you to go with me. I've got to go visit a couple, do some marriage counseling. Oh, man, I've never done any marriage counseling. You know, I'm barely married as it is. Okay, I'll go. We get, we get in the car. And on the way, he goes, by the way, they've, the police have been called several times for domestic violence charges, and he does have a weapon in the house. And I'm trying to get out of the car. <laughs> I'm kidding you not. We go to this trailer and we walk in. I can't remember his name. Her, her name was Carol. And we just we sat down and she's got a fat lip and a black guy where he has done some work on her. And my eyes are as big as silver dog. I'm looking at that guy going, what's he going to do? What do I do if he pulls a gun? Where do I run? What about Rex? Who cares? I want to get out of the trailer. I'm sitting there, but I learned so much. It was intimidating. It was scary. And it was exciting. We end up having her move out of that house because she can't live in that house anymore. A few months go by. Rex goes, I need to go out and visit this, uh, see this guy. He wants to talk now. And I go, okay, where's he meeting us? He's meeting us in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Why is he doing that, Rex? It could be he might have a pistol on him. What do you want me to go for? (laughs) He goes, well, you can drive me to the hospital. And you can be a witness. That's what he says to me. <laughs> and you know, nothing like that happened. We weren't in danger. The guy was truly broken. He's like, I got, I got to work on my marriage. But I learned so much by just going with somebody and trying to. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. Just sit and watch. Take notes. It could be so exciting. This is how uh, skills are honed. This is how skills are passed on. This is how you improve as a servant. You, you have people. You, you, you go with people. You team up with people. Let me challenge you the next time, next time you, uh, you're called to serve, ask somebody to go with you. I'm really excited about next year. One of the things we're going to be doing next year is we're having an intern program. You're saying, oh, we're going to have people come in and work. Oh, no, we're going to, we're going to be working with our teenagers, junior high and high school, and we're going to make sure we incorporate them and and maybe some ministry, or they want to learn something, and they can be involved in it. I'm so excited about this thing. 
because we're going to, basically, we're, go, we're going to um, multiply our efforts here as well as learning to give the next generation responsibility that they're going to get anyway. You know, they got ideas about what kind of church they want. And I got news for you. It's not just a crazy church. They're after what Jesus wants. A lot of them are. They really want, we want to be the, the, the church that Jesus built. And sooner or later, they're going to get it. And what an opportunity the next year as we, as we incorporate them in all kinds of things, learning to pass on some of these skills. And by the way, and pairing up, what's it else that does? It draws us closer together. There's something about working together that builds relationships. So let me challenge you again. The next time you serve, ask somebody to join you. Or if you hear about somebody serving, why not ask to join? Ask Mark, hey, can I go with you on church on the street? Or ask Susan, hey, or whoever, Nathan, those that are involved in, in Christian uh, Compassion in Action. Says, hey, what can I, I'd like to get involved in that. Or the next time the, the kids' ministry does something, hey, what can I do to help? I'd like to get involved in some of that. It'll change your life. It'll help you be a better servant. Number six, I take better care of myself. I got to respect my limitations, church. Physical and mental and even spiritual limitations at times. You see, my body, your, your body, we're tools that God wants to use to get His work accomplished. And we have to maintain those tools. Otherwise, they break down. I, over the years, I heard this, and it's so true. Ministry costs and exhausts. It is true. It's hard work at times. Physically, mentally, and sometimes even spiritually. Because over time, as God uses me, I can get dull, I can get damaged, I can get tired, I can be worn out. Years ago, Marvin Phillips, a uh, big preacher in the Church of Christ in Tulsa, came and spoke to us, and a bunch of us were sitting around having pizza. And I'm 30-some years old, and he says, to, he says this to uh, Robert and I and several others at the table. Guys, if you really, you really want to last in ministry, you need to do something. He said, you've got to understand something. God is not interested in people who can run a dash. God wants you to be marathon men. He wants you to last in ministry. How? How? You know, I, I, I've been told, I think, a uh, hundred preachers, you know, every day quit in the United States. It's like, and a hundred preachers get in ministry. That's, that's just preachers. I tell you, I've, I've been on the front row. I've seen a lot of, of servants in the kingdom just shut down. I'm not doing this anymore. They're not saying they're going to do something new. They're not going to do anything. Why? Because they're damaged. They're hurt. They're tired. They're exhausted. And, and Marvin said, Tim, you need to remember this. If you want to last in ministry, you need to divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually. And I go, what are you talking about? He said, you need to spend every day, have some time just you alone with the Lord. And some of those days, every day, when you divert, you just need to sit down and shut up. Don't say anything. Just soak it in a little bit. What the Bible says talks about us being quiet before the Lord. There's people in the Bible that put their hand over their mouth. They couldn't say anything. It was a good thing they did. 
Be still and know that I am God. He says, Tim, I, I've done this for 30-some, 40-some years, and I, I haven't regretted a day that I've done it. John Wesley one time said, i got so much to do, I can't help but pray three hours. And, I, and he just, he, the value of diverting daily, finding that time. My time is 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. I find I can get more done. I'm the most focused then. I start my day. Lord, where are we today? What do we got to have done today? Sometimes it's, it's withdrawing weekly. I, uh, we were asked, you guys ever have a day off? And we brag, we've never taken a day off in weeks. You'll hear somebody talk about that. That's not a sign of wisdom. A sign of wisdom is knowing your limitations. And somebody saying, you know what? I need a day off. And I know some of you here, you're kind, if you're like me, it's hard to clock out. Period. Now, some of you here have clocked out for quite a long time. I'm not, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to some of you here. We just, we're just on and on and on and on and on. And even when, even when we take a day off, it's not off. Vernon, one time and I went to Colorado. We got in a, his, got in a, my pickup truck just outside of these doors here after I preached one day. And we took off to Colorado. And he, and I'm going, because I just preached. And now I'm just jabbering and jabbering. He goes, Tim, 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 what? I go, what do you, what? You need to clock out. We're going to Colorado. Clock out. I'm clocked out. No, you're not. In fact, it's probably going to be a couple of days before you finally relax. He was right. It was about two days. Finally, I was able to go, okay, I can't, okay. What do I think about? I'm just so used to going, some of us here, it may not be church stuff. It may be our families, our jobs, we're redlining and with some time we just need to stop so we can fill the tank stop and change tires stop and give it a rest a day off what's your uh, chuck swindle in, in the book improving your server read years ago he said he talked about looking for his sabbath day god has a sabbath day he had a sabbath day a day of rest what's your sabbath day I couldn't think of it. And finally, I chose Thursday as my Sabbath day. That's no longer my Sabbath day, but it was, it was, I went to pasta house every Thursday. It was, my pH level was low, so I had to go. There's times when you have, you know, it, you just need to take that week and then annually take a vacation. Some of us, I haven't taken a vacation in years. Well, you're a fool. I have taken off more time this year. I mean, you know how many of you have said this? I like it when you take a break from the pulpit. You seem to be better after your break. Really? Well, thank you very much. I'm encouraged. I'm reading a book right now called The Five Marks of a Man, written by a young fellow, had the fastest growing church in 2017. He takes three months off. Three months off. I go, how can he get anything done? Apparently he's doing something. God's doing something with this man because he's taking the time to take care of himself. Sometimes the spiritual thing you can do is have a good meal or take a nap or ask somebody for some help or take a day off. You find refreshment in those times. Jesus knew fatigue was a threat to ministry. Look what he says here to his apostles. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and what they had taught. Then Jesus said, let's get away. Sounds like a Southwest commercial. Let's get away. 
from the crowds for a while and rest. Jesus, you don't care about people? Well, sometimes that's too much. And I've got to get off by myself. Too many people. Let's get off by ourselves. Get away from the crowds for a while and rest. And look it says, Mark makes this observation. There were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Sometimes the most spiritual thing I can do is just have a good meal instead of going through the drive-thru all the time. It's taking a nap, taking a break. I'm lasting longer because I'm having to learn this. I'm learning, some of you older members, I had Jim Quick say this to me. He said, Tim, as you get older, you're going to find out you, your, work, your work time gets shorter and your break time gets longer. Uh, the other day I worked 30 minutes, but I rested an hour and a half. I see what he's talking about. We have to respect that. Even at a young age, I can get overloaded mentally. I get overloaded emotionally. I need some time to do nothing. But I can't. i got to get on that phone. Shut that phone off. I double dog, triple dog dare you. Shut that phone off for an hour. and just I do that all the time. You're asleep. I don't count. Set it down. Shut it off. Because if you don't, Don Yoder will grab it and throw it out the window. You've got to shut that phone off. Try it and see what happens. You might be surprised. There's times I've left my phone at home and I went, oh no! For a few seconds I went, oh yes. Like Kevin in Home Alone. I'm, nobody can get a hold of me. Woo! It's, it's a lot of freedom there. Here's the seventh one. I keep serving. I keep serving. I like restoring things and getting them back in and repurposing them. You know anybody else like that? You like to fix something and it's being used again? You know, I'm, I'm made to minister. I'm saved to serve. I'm restored to repurpose. You and I are restored so God can use us. There's something rewarding about that. Because we live in such a disposable society that says, oh, it's done, throw it away. When we, and we do this, we, that could spill over into how we look at ministry. Oh, I'm done, I'm just done, I'm, gonna, I'm out. Maybe you're not ready for the trash can like you think you are. Maybe it's just simply, you know what, I need to get some re, maybe some repairing, some restoring, and some retooling so God can use me again for repurposing me. I'm not going to lie to you. Ministry can, okay, ministry can suck. It hurts. It's hard. It can be difficult. There's times when you sacrifice. You think it's not fair. You, your family might go without something. Or you go without sleep. Or your bank account goes without financial security for a while. Sometimes we get tired. We get hurt, we get knocked down, and in church, I, I, I've, I've experienced all of these, and there's such a tremendous temptation to stop. You cannot let that happen. You cannot let that happen. You've got to keep going. Keep your eyes on the prize and remember who you're serving. Remember who you're pleasing. That's who matters. That's who matters the most. Choose to persevere. Choose to keep going. Israel's in a tight spot. There's idols all over the place. 
God's people have slowly become idol worshipers. And there's idols set up all throughout Israel. And King Asa is wanting to do something about it. He wants to remove all of them. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. And so as he's thinking about how he's going to do this, a prophet by the name of Azariah speaks to him and says these words to him. He says, keep up the good work and don't get discouraged for you'll be rewarded. He said, you keep it up. And if you read, continue to read, he gets rid of all those idols. And, all, and, and, and the nation of Israel turns around. He is, he is rewarded by seeing the blessings that come from his service. Paul said it this way to the early church in Galatia, we must not get tired. Another word is weary. What's weary mean? Tired, fatigued, discouraged. We must not get tired of doing good. We will receive our harvest of eternal life at the right time. We must not give up. And I say to you, servants, looking at an audience as a servant, looking at an audience full of servants, do not give up. You keep serving. I don't know where I should serve right now. We'll find out. You keep looking. I'm asking you this morning, I'm asking everybody here to make a commitment to ministry. To make a commitment to God to let Him use you. And with that commitment, that you, that you bathe it, saturate it in prayer. Asking God, reveal to me what I should be doing. Adjust my spirit, adjust my attitude, adjust my heart. Help me find ways. Help me see where I can, what's keeping me from being available and find ways to be available. Father, give me the courage to try something new. It may be the thing you always really wanted me to do to begin with. Help me figure out what my gift is. Lord, help me pace myself because you don't want somebody just to start and finish quickly. You want us to last. You want me to last. Help me be spiritually fit. Make a commitment to be spiritually fit. And most of all, Keep serving. Keep serving, church. The best is yet to come. Let's pray. We'll be through here. Father, we thank you and praise you for um, last this series, Father, to look at what you what matters to you. And we do, Father. We want to be a church that lifts up what matters to you, that it mattered to us as well. And Father, as we talk about ministry, would you Reveal with your Holy Spirit how you want us to serve. Where you want us to serve. Who you want us to serve. That, Father, you'll use your Holy Spirit to quicken our hearts, to prick our hearts, to convict us of whatever attitude that gets in the way. Give us the eyes of a servant, Father. To see where we can help. There's so many things that we could be doing. And we just pray you help us, help us select wisely. And Father, for some of us here who are hurt or damaged because we've served so long, we're tired, would you revive us, repair us, and reuse us?
pray in Christ's name. Amen. Giving you my heart Thank you.